Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. for more. What am I made for? Time. Why do I spend so much time on things that mean so little? I'm not made to waste my time. What am I made for? Talent. Why am I using all my talent for personal gain? I'm not made to be selfish with my talent. What am I made for? Treasure. What do I gain by refusing to share? I'm not made to spend my treasure on myself. What am I made for? Potential. Why am I not breaking through to the next level? I'm not made to be complacent. I'm made for more. We're made for more. What's up, Freedom House? Good to see everybody. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand clap. Aren't you glad to be in church today? I want to welcome all of our online folks. We got Florida, Virginia, Maryland, South Carolina, California, Illinois, Kansas, Minnesota, and Georgia. Church, let's give them a big hand. Uh, my name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. I also want to give honor to your campus pastors, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie. You guys stand up. Make sure you meet them after service. Might even take you to lunch today. You never know. You never know. If you're nice to them, sweet to them. They might even take you to lunch. Um, we are one church, multiple campuses. Currently, we have four campuses online, three live campuses. We have a teaching team, so I'm preaching today. My wife is at South End, and then Pastor Olin is at our Lake Norman campus. And then, check this out, December the 24th, we're going to start a brand new service in our Mecklenburg County Detention Center. So um, if you want to be a part of that, um, you know, I don't know if you want to go to jail and help some people, maybe even trying to run from jail, but this might be your salvation, Randy, over there. I know Randy has been having some problems. So, uh, hey, I want to uh, just continue the series we're in called Made for More. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, there's more, there's more. Turn around behind you, look at somebody behind you, just say, there's more, there's more. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice, the one you didn't want to say anything to the first time, just say, there's more. There's more. I, I want to talk about the ingredients of a more than life. The ingredients of a more than life. In order to understand that, we have to realize that we all have three people living on the inside of the, us, okay? So I want you to get your notes out. I'm going to give you a lot of content today, but I also want to preach to you a little bit. I want to, I want to have some fun today. Three people that we all have living inside of us. Number one is the person that you believe you are. We all have a belief system. Look at your neighbor, say, you're full of BS. You're full of BS. 
full of BS. You, you, you all have a little BS in you. I know you don't want to believe that, Sam, but you do have a little BS in you. Your wife told me. We all have a belief system. Belief system. Belief system. Your belief system is determined based around your experiences, your background. Some of us connect with the belief system based on the color of our skin or our culture, where we grew up, the family we grew up in, how we identify with them, where we live, how much education we have, how much education we feel like we don't have. Our belief system, our BS, shapes our behavior. So the person that you believe you are is the person that you're living right now. The second person that lives on the inside of you is the person others think you are. This is the mask that we wear. This is the the person that we put out to everybody else because we want everybody to like us. You know, I want you to like me, so I'm going to say this way. I'm going to talk this way. I'm going to post this on Instagram. How many of you know the Instagram pictures aren't real? Come on, how many of y'all love the edit feature of it, your pictures, like Photoshop? Come on, somebody. You can make yourself look really, really cute, really, really skinny. Come on, somebody. Wave at me. Come on. I know we could all, you know, lose a couple pounds, but Photoshop helps us with that real quick. It's just like, bam, it's just gone right there on the spot. Face is clear. We just look good. Our hair's perfect. But that's not real. All those family pictures of family vacation, Look, there, it's hell at that vacation, but it looks good. It looks awesome, right? But you know that's not real because you've been there. But yet we want that, we want to put that towards people. We want people to feel that way about us. We, we all are a little bit addicted to approval in some way. We all kind of are addicted to that. The person that we believe we are. The person that others think we are. And then thirdly, and this is the person that I want to speak to today and call out, is the person God knows you are. Because God has a plan for your life. He created you in a way that is full of purpose. Come on, say there's more. Come on, you are full of future. Come on, say there's more. You are full of, you are alive, you're thriving. You're, God, God has so much. I want to I declare some of what the Bible says. We've got, we've got a whole book of God speaking to the person he created you to be. You, you, are, you, you have a life that, that has so much potential, so, so much that, that he wants to do in you. But if we rely on the per- person that we believe we are or we rely on the person that we want others to think we are, we'll never experience the person that God knows we are. So I just want to read, I want to declare some things over, over you today. Genesis chapter 1 Verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And this is what he said to you. I want you to hear this. Everybody look at me. I want you to hear this. Let them have dominion. I declare that you will walk in authority like you've never walked in before in your life. You will walk in a position of dominion over the things that have held you you back, your past, your failures, your, your problems, your challenges. You will walk in authority. I declare that over you. If you believe it, say amen. That's me. Amen. That's me. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says, now all glory to God who is able through 
his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than you might ask or think. I declare that the dream that you have, there's more to it. I declare that the purpose that you believe, there's more to it. More than you could ever dream or ask or think or imagine. In Jesus' name, somebody shout, there's more. Come on, you got to help me preach a little bit today. I feel like I want to preach a little bit. Look at your neighbor. Say, there's more. There's more. There's more. John chapter 10. This is what Jesus says about you. He said, there is an enemy, a thief, that does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But here's what he says. I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. I declare increase over your finances, increase over your business, increase over your family, increase over your kids, increase, increase favor over your life in Jesus' name. Somebody shout, there's more. Come on, you believe it so far. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Come on, give God some praise. Come on, thank him for that. More, I I like the Bible says, not just, he could have just said abundantly, but he said more abundantly. Isn't that cool to know? Romans chapter eight, verse 37, just just declaring what the Bible says over you. You may wanna write these down, put these, these are refrigerator verses right here. These are right on your mirror before you get to work verses right here. These are confession verses. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I declare that you are more than a conqueror. You'll defeat any issue, any giant you may face. I declare you're going to overcome it. Sickness and disease, you're going to overcome it. Bankruptcy, you're going to overcome it. Problems, you're going to overcome it. Tragedy, you're going to overcome it. You are more than an overcomer in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? You know, the thing I love about God is whenever he introduces himself to people who have put limits on themselves, he always introduces them with his name. He gives them a name that means who he is. One of those guys is a guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham's struggling. He has no kids. He's getting older. Matter of fact, he's 99 years old. No pills are going to help. And, and so he's struggling. He's, he's in a tent. He, he, he's just kind of confined, which a lot of people live in this, this position of confinement. And God takes them outside and says, look at the stars. Sometimes God needs to just take us outside so we can just see a little bit more of what he wants to do. And he introduced, I love how he, and God did this over and over with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, he says, when Abraham was 99 years old, that's old. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I love what he says, because before God can change you, listen to me, before God can change you, you have to see God in a different way. We want to be changed before we see God. But God says, it says to Abram, I am almighty God. What does what that, that say? What is he saying? I am almighty God. Whenever you see God declaring something about his character, dig a little bit into that and find out exactly what he's saying. What he's saying is he's given the name El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the God who is more than enough. Isn't that cool? You know, God could have said, I'm just enough. And I, honestly, look, if we're honest, I'd be satisfied with a God that's enough, right? But that's not what God said. God says, I'm not just enough. I am more than enough. So whenever you think it's over, it's just beginning in God's eyes. 
Whenever you think it's time to quit, he says, get up one more time. You can walk, you can do it, you can, you can accomplish this, you can be significant, you can be successful. It's not over in my eyes because I know something about you that you don't know, that there's more purpose in you, there's more confidence in you, there's more boldness in you, there's more opportunity, there's more promise. And here's the thing, we all want more. We all, we all have a doubt. We look at, and we do this a lot of times by looking at other people's lives. You go, man, I wish I had what they had. Or we look at our business or our success or our finances or whatever it may be, and we go, there's, all, all, there's always more. We always want more inside of us. We may not want to say it out loud, but we say, I, I know there's more, don't we? You know why? Because you were created in God's image. You were created in the image of God who is more than enough. So don't ever apologize for wanting more. Don't ever apologize for the fact that God created you as a being with unlimited potential. Now, the sad thing is, is we often put limits on ourselves. God never does, but we do. My friend, Dr. Sam Chan, who's on our board, he, he, he has this great illustration. I love it. If I had a balloon in my hand, just pretend like I have this balloon. If I were to let go of this balloon, let me ask you, how high would that balloon go? If I let it go right now, how high would it go? We, it would go to the ceiling. That's what you would think. But actually, no, it wouldn't go to the ceiling. All I gotta do is remove the ceiling. The balloon can go as high as it wants to go. What you just did is exactly what we do in our life. We put a ceiling on our lives. We immediately think limit, and God says unlimited. What are the ceilings that we put in our life? Number one, I think it's the environments we put ourselves in. We often stay somewhere when God says it's time to go, right? We stay in a job way too long. We, sometimes we stay in a city way too long. Sometimes we stay in a relationship way too long. Sometimes our gift of mercy becomes a weakness because we want it more for somebody than they do themselves. They want our knee time. You're praying way harder than they're praing for their stuff, right? You ever been in a situation like that? You're like, man, when are you gonna start doing something for yourself? I've been doing everything for you. Seems like, it's almost like spiritual enablement. The environment that we stay in, the second limit or ceiling that we put on ourselves is the people you surround yourself with. We all have somebody, when they text us, they're like, I don't wanna respond. You turn off that little thing, you know, on your, your text message that has the three dots that tell everybody you're looking at their text because you don't want them to know that you saw their, you're hoping that they think, oh, they didn't see my text. After three days, you didn't want to respond to them because you know if you talk to them, it's going to be weird and, and, and because you, you know it's time for you to move on. It doesn't mean, I, you know, I have this little philosophy when it's time for, when I give somebody the gift of goodbye, it's It's okay. Because I'll see you in heaven. We'll be in heaven for eternity together. And you, guess what? Guess what? I'll be a lot better, and I'm hoping you will too in Jesus' name. Right? Isn't that the way we look at it? But sometimes the ceilings that we put on ourselves are the people that we surround ourselves with. And some of you, I'm going to speak prophetically, not pathetically, prophetically to you. Some of you have some people that you need to let go of. You need to let go of them in your life. Well, I need to help them. No, you need to help yourself right now. 
And so let go of that ceiling in your life, the thoughts that you think. We all have thoughts running through our minds all the time. You know, like, what am I going to do for lunch? Who is that girl over there? She's cute. Man, I, I, wish, I wish that Pastor Troy would end early today because I want to get out. The Masters is on. Man, did that guy fall asleep over there? Man, the doors. It's cold in here. What's that shirt he's got on? Man, my shoes seem a little tight today. Did that, you know, just but all these thoughts that are going through our head. If you know what's that, that's kind of what's going on in my head right now. I'm thinking, yeah, they really paying attention right now. I need to wake that guy up in the back. I mean, just all this stuff's going through my head. Did they just walk out because I said something they didn't like? I mean, all these things are going, the thoughts that we think can be ceilings in our life. Are you with me? The voices you listen to, oh, this is so huge in, in, in what we're living in right now. You got to make sure that you are inputting the right stuff. Can I give you a little hint? Turn the news off. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, there's more. You can turn the news off. Turn the notifications off. And I'm not just talking about CNN or Fox. or I'm just, turn it off. Some of us, we need to turn off social media. Have, have like a until 2021 social media fast. Oh, I just felt the Lord right there. Did you feel him? Oh, Jesus. Oh, I just felt it. Shama. Felt him right there. Some of you just, the Lord just speaking to you. The failures you allow your, to imprison you. Sometimes we allow those failures to just keep talking to us. And, and then lastly, the way you see yourself. Isaiah 57, 14. Love this verse. And it will be said, build up, build up. Prepare the road. Here's God talking to you. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. See, instead of seeing all of those ceilings or failures or imperfections or insufficiencies as something that holds us back, how about we do this, something different? How about we, we, we see them as an opportunity to let God show up in those areas? I learned a lot about God's grace during the 12 years, 13 years that I dealt with anxiety and panic. Because honestly, as a man, I wanted to hide it. I didn't want anybody to know about it. I didn't want to tell my wife. I didn't want to tell my friends. I said, I can deal with this myself. I can do it all myself. Like, God, I, me and you got this. Not realizing I needed some help. But I learned a lot because God says that his grace is sufficient in my weakness. Matter of fact, he says his power is strengthened when I acknowledge my weaknesses. When I let go, and start to, to dialogue with God, I experience a whole new level of grace that I've never experienced before. So instead of looking at your tragedy, your problem, your issue as something that's an insufficiency, how about you acknowledge it to God and watch his grace get involved in your situation? So with that being said, I, wanna just, I just wanna give you three ingredients of a more than life. Three ingredients. I know the importance of ingredients. Ingredients are extremely important. What you put in is, my wife is a phenomenal cook. I'll put her up against your wife anytime. <laughs> she can cook. I'm telling you, she can cook. And she knows the value of good ingredients. You can make a cake with bad ingredients, same cake, and a cake with good ingredients. Oh my gosh, two, two same cake. Totally different taste because of the ingredients, the quality of those ingredients. 
And I wanna just give you three simple ingredients, three easy ingredients that'll help you live a more than life. Everybody say, there's more. Come on, look at your neighbor one more time. Say, there's more for you. There's more for you. Number one, write this down. Number one is simple obedience. This is what allows God in. Obedience is basically saying, God, I trust you. I love you and you know what's best. Obedience is the invitation to let God work in my life. Now, we look at obedience as some type of what I can't do, right? This is how we look at it. And this is, I, I used to struggle with the idea that God would put a, a tree in the garden. He you know, creates Adam and Eve, and it's cool, and he says, hey, listen, it's gonna be about 75 degrees, no humidity, you don't even need clothes. Come on, somebody. It's just awesome. You can just frolic through whatever you need to frolic through and just enjoy life and everything. However, Adam and Eve, however, there's one tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that tree you cannot eat. I used to be really, I used to struggle with that. Like, why would he, you know, give them all this freedom and then say, you can't do this? And then God spoke to me one day. He said, in order for love to exist, choice has to be given. And so if, if we want, if he wants to know that we love him, we will obey his commands. Now, here, here's what we do. Here's what we do. We, as human beings, all we do is focus on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We focus on what we can't do. Oh, God's so strict. Daggone him. I mean, we can't have sex before marriage. Oh, gosh, it's the worst thing in the world. And, and when we get married, we can't fool around. I mean, what, what happened? I mean, I got this wife, she gets on my nerves. Can I get another one, God? And just, like, what's wrong with that? I know I'm kind of making fun, but the truth is, is that's kind of how we look at life. We, we look at through the eyes of what we can't do. What if, instead of just looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how many trees do you think there were in the garden that they could eat from? Could it be that God knows something that we don't know? Could it be that God understands the human heart better than we do. Could it be? I mean, just, I'm just putting it out there that the creator of the universe, the, the guy who created your body to function like it is, heal like it can, the universe circling the sun, I mean, the earth, the planets, all of that, could it be that he might know something that we don't know about our life? And, and that the reason why he said, do not or shall not, or do this, or don't do that, is because he wants to protect you, because he loves you, and he wants to create a boundary around you so he can operate in your life. Could it be that that's what God wants to do? Amen. Could it be? See, Jesus said it this way. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you keep my commandments, you'll love me. See, the difference between those two statements is the difference between relationship and religion. And religion says everything is built around bondage and performance. In order for me to get God's attention, I need to act a certain way. I need to live a certain way. I need to do a certain thing. That is called religion. And Jesus came to break that. Because Christianity, listen to me very closely, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Christianity is the only the only, 
other than Hindu, Islam, all of the other religions, Christianity is the only one in which a God loves us so much he came to us. We don't have to go to him. He actually took the first step towards us. Are you with me? That's what he did. Simple obedience. And when we obey God, what we're doing is saying, God, I want you to get involved in my life because I trust you. I know you think, uh, I, you, you, you know what's best for me. And so I'm just going to do what you have to say. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to get all caught up in the end. I'm just going to, because I love you. I know you love me. And you loved me way before I loved you. And so, so I'm going to obey you. Jesus made it very clear in, in three areas that we can operate in simple obedience. It's found in Luke chapter 16 where he tells the story of this manager, this steward, it's called, who, who kind of messes up. And he realizes he messes up. And, and, and his master sees him operate in a way that changes. Three areas that we can just operate in simple obedience. Number one is simple obedience with the little things. The little things. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. We always want God to give us the big thing when he always starts with the little stuff. He always asks you, hey, just, just do this little thing. He's testing you with the little stuff. Will you obey me in the little things? When I uh, felt the first call to preach, I, uh, I thought it was a big deal. You know, I'd read the Bible for about three months, and, and <laughs> I was like, I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to preach. You know, I'm ready to go. So I said, you know, my pastor had these appointments that he would make on Thursday evenings. He would have meetings with people, and I said, I'm just going to have a meeting with my pastor. He's going to see the gift of my life. And he's going to let me preach on a Wednesday night. I, I knew it. I just knew it. So I told my wife, I'm going to set up an appointment. She laughed and said, I'm going to, she said, I'm just going to let him do this. This is going to be really funny. And so I go into this meeting. I sit down with him. I said, Pastor Randy, you know, I've been reading my Bible for a little while and I think I'm ready to preach. Thinking that he will go, oh yeah, I'll just give you a Wednesday night. You can have a Wednesday night. I said, did you feel when I said you, I'm ready to preach? Did you feel the anointing when I said that? Did you feel the power of God flow through me? When did it hit you? Like, I feel like it's leaving my body right now. And he's like, no, nah, not really. And so, and, and he said, uh, I tell you what, why don't you, why don't you go and they need some help in the prison ministry. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. I'm anointed. I've been trying to stay out of prison my entire life. And you want me to go back into prison? Like, and so I thought, I thought God was going to do something big. When in reality, God started with me meeting with one young man across from a table and learning how to lead him in his relationship with God. And that one turned into another one and then another one. And it wasn't until probably about five years later that I was able to sit in front of 12 people. See, some of you get real nervous when you think, well, you know, you look at me and what I do now and, and I get to speak and all this stuff. But I didn't start doing it this way. No, I started with one-on-one -on -one conversations with guys. One-on-one. -on -one. Went into a Medicaid facility, knocked on doors, and said, hey, can we have a Bible study? Met a guy named Lance, saw his life change over about 10 years of investing in him over and over and over and over again. Sitting in 
church here, Freedom House Church, when we started this church, and there was about 12 people, 15 people in the congregation. And you know how I preached? Like there were thousands. I preached exactly like I am right now. Hopefully I'm a little better now. My jokes are a little funnier. Most people say they are, except Aaron. He corrects me all the time. Second area of simple obedience, Jesus said, is simple obedience when no one is looking. It's easy to have character when everybody's watching you. The tough thing about character is when nobody is watching you and you probably won't get caught. Are you following me? So Jesus said in the second half of Luke 16, 10, it says, and whoever is dishonest with the very little will be also dishonest with much. Character is made in the dark and displayed in the light. Let me say that again. Character is made in the dark. It's displayed, walked out in the light. So our character, our integrity, our honesty, simple obedience when nobody's looking. And the third area is simple obedience with my money. Now, this is Jesus talking. This isn't me. Jesus said this. He said, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? This is Jesus talking. So if God can't expect, you can't expect great things financially if you can't be trusted with just 10%. And listen, listen, money is the simplest place to be obedient as a believer, as a Christian. If you're watching a lot, it's so easy. It's so easy. Let me, let me prove to you how easy. What's, what's 10% of 100? What's, what's 10% of 1,000? What's 10% of 10,000? Uh, how do you love your neighbor? Well, um, I think we should cut their grass. I think that we should cook them some cinnamon rolls and take them over today. I think we should wave at them. I think we should stop cussing at them. I think, I think we should babysit their kids. I think we should not be as mad when they leave four trucks in the front yard. I mean, just, but see, all of us have a different view of what it looks like to love. Because loving's hard. Come on, all the married people said, yes, Lord, amen. I don't even know if I like him half the time. And the Lord said, I need to love him. This is the truth because loving is difficult. Tithing's easy. Tithing is the, that's why God, that's why Jesus talks so much about money because it is the simplest way for you and I to step into God, allowing him to move in our life economically. Can I just say something real quick? How important is it right now to make sure that you have a relationship with God financially? And the way you do that is through giving, through tithing. Tithing is simple obedience. Here's what God says in Malachi chapter 3. He says, bring the whole tithe, just 10%, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me, God says. The tithe goes to the church, the local church. Just like Sam figured out, hey, listen, I, don't, I, I can't control this because it's not mine. Now, here's what, I know, here's what I know about what's happening in this room and watching. There are people in this room that are fired up about what I'm talking about right now. They're fired up. They're like, yes, tithing, yeah. And then there are people like, I'm ready to leave this church. All they want is my money. Where do you want to go eat today after church? Just walk in that restaurant and go, you know, I don't really feel like paying today. 
I want a little Viva chicken. I want a little taco time. Just walk in there and go, you know, today I want an option to not pay because I feel like all you want is my money. Watch how fast they'll go, <laughs> praise the Lord. They probably won't say praise the Lord. They'll probably say, see you later. You ain't getting fed today. But yet we come into God's house and we want, want, want from him and then are greedy with the simplest thing that God asks for our obedience in. And so you get mad, you get upset. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because usually we get angry about the things that God has put in his finger on in the first place. And so I challenge you just to seek the Lord about it. It's not my word, it's his word. So he says, test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive. I say there's more. Come on, say it again. Say, there's more. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. In other words, I, I'm going I'm to make sure your checking accounts are protected. I'm going to make sure your 401k is protected. I'm going to make sure your investments are protected. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you and yours will be a delightful land. When we don't tithe, when we aren't simply obedient with our money, we handcuff God financially. The tithe is a test of do you trust God? It has little to do with money. It has all to do with your heart. Number two is big generosity. Number one, simple obedience. It's what allow God in. Number two is, is big generosity. This is what releases God. Generosity releases God in our life. Tithing is obedience. Offering is generous. If you're a tither, you're not being generous. You're being obedient. It's when we start to go above that with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We can't be generous until we are obedient. Now, I believe that, that some people have the gift of giving. Some people just operate in that. Easiest way to tell is at a restaurant. You know somebody who has the gift of giving or somebody that doesn't have the gift of giving when they have those T-Rex arms. You know what I'm talking about? The bill comes and it's like, I can't reach it. Dang, I forgot my wallet again. I, I really want to pay. I really, you know, you know my heart. My heart, you know, I'm generous in heart, but. Mm. Can I go to the bathroom right now? The check comes. You know what I'm talking about. The check hits the table, and you're like, and they just start looking around like, they check their phone right at that moment. Why? Because they're waiting for you to pick up the check. But see, generous people, you have to, you have to outsmart them. Generous people will call the restaurant before you even get there and give them your credit. They'll give their credit card because they want to make sure that they are getting blessed. I'm telling you, there are people that, and I, I have to outsmart them because I believe I have the gift of giving. I'm like, I'm like, before, when I make the reservation, I go, hey, I just want to let you know. I'm, so we have arguments at the table. Like, I want to pay. No, I want to pay. I want to pay. We'll fight. That's the gift of giving. Some of us, we need to, come on. We need to, <laughs> we need to stretch that arm out and practice being generous. 
See, there's two ways, write this down. There's two ways that you are never more like God. Number one, when you forgive. When you forgive somebody, now look at me for a second. I know you wanna write down, but just look at me. I'm not talking about forgiving people when it's easy. I'm talking about when they really mess with you. The way God helps me understand that is whenever I don't wanna forgive somebody, he just reminds me of what I did. <laughs> that I'm forgiven. Are you following me? You are never more like God than when you forgive. You know the second way you're never more like God? When you're generous. Most famous verse in the Bible. What's the most famous verse? You'll see it if you watch, if you watch football today. You'll see it in the back of the end zone. What is it? John three sixteen. Let's read it all together. Come on. For God so loved the world that he gave. Let's read it one more time. For God so loved the world that he one more time, for God so loved the world that he gave. Did he have to give? No. Should he have given? Absolutely not. Did we deserve it? No way. That's called generosity. That's what generosity is. You are never more like God than when you are generous. I'm not just talking about financially. I'm just talking about with your life. Some of us, we're a little strapped right now. Things are a little tight right now. But you got time. We all have the same amount of time. You got a talent, there's something in you. All you gotta do is just release it. At Freedom House, we make a great way. I don't know what I'm talented, we'll help you. We'll help you find out exactly what you're talented in. Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, it says, the generous will prosper, why? Obedience allows God in, generosity releases God to move in our life. We can never be generous until we are obedient. So the generous will prosper, Proverbs eleven twenty five. those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. A friend of mine, Pastor Robert Morris, uh, used to tell this story in his church all the time. He used to tell a story about a couple who would always carry $100 in their pocket. And basically their arrangement with, with God was, I'm gonna carry $100 in my pocket so that at any moment during the day, that if the Lord spoke to them, they would, this couple, they would be able to give the $100. And so they would just walk around just listening to God. Well, that's generous. Would you agree that's generous? So one time they were at church, this couple was at church, and they were, they were leaving the church, and there was this little girl, um, young lady who had kids, single mom. She's walking out, and the Lord spoke to them, says, give, give them the $100. So he goes up and gives them $100. And then the Lord says, I want you to give them the 22 and he goes, no, no, hold on a second, God. We had an arrangement. The $100 bills were yours. The 20s were mine. And he goes, no, I want you to give her the 22. So he gives them the $100 bill and then gives, them the tw- gives her the $20 bill. And she just breaks down and starts crying, just weeping in the parking lot. Oh, gosh, I can't believe this. And she says, what, what's, why are you so upset? And she goes, today was the first day I'd ever tithed. She said, I've been struggling with this, and so I gave $100, and then the Lord said, I want you to give another $20. So here I am walking out of church the very same day. I walk into the parking lot, and here you not only give me my $100 back, but you also give me the $20 that I was obedient with. That's not where the story ended. Pastor Robert goes home, told that story over and over, and his daughter, like 16, 17 years old, comes up, to him, he goes, I know who you're talking about. I know who the couple is. It's you and mom. 
You're the ones that always keep your $100 in your pocket, and you're the ones that are always looking. And he goes, yeah, I guess you're right. And here's what she said to him. She looks at him in the eyes. She goes, Dad, I want to be just like you. See, generosity is genius because it changes our lives, but it also changes the lives of people that are around you. It affects people around you. It creates legacy. Generosity helps us invest in what really matters. I mean, he, he would have never known that by his actions, that not only would he affected all the people that he gave money to, but his family would be changed forever. I don't know about you, if you're a parent, the greatest thing that your, your child could ever come up and tell you is I wanna be just like you. That is powerful. Generosity frees our hearts. So here's what Jesus says, I'm almost done. He says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, and lose their value. Listen, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So when we give to God, we're, we're, we're stocking in heaven, heavenly treasure, and God can trust us. Number one, ingredient to a more than life, simple obedience. Number two, big generosity. Number three, write this down, is white hot faith. Not just faith. I'm talking visible, brilliant, exploding with energy kind of faith. So if my simple obedience allows God in and my big generosity releases God, my, my white hot faith, you know what it does? It, it's what believes God. Because let's be honest, sometimes when we're obedient and sometimes when we're generous, generous we don't see anything happening. We're like, God, hello, 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 hello. That's what it feels like in heaven. We're like, what's going on up there? That's where our faith comes in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith takes the place of what you don't see. You don't need faith for what you can see. Faith takes the place of what you don't see. So in essence, what faith is, is faith is the glue that connects our obedience and our generosity. When I obey God, I allow God. When I'm generous, I release God. And faith is where I live while he works. While he's working, that's where I live. I live in the place of faith. So obedience and generosity is connected with faith. Faith is what helps us. And the greatest example of this is, is King Jehoshaphat. I love, this is one of my favorite stories in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Israel's being attacked by three different nations, Moab, Ammon, and then this conglomeration of people who just want to destroy Israel. And they are outnumbered, they're outforced, they're outweaponized. Everything about the situation looks completely impossible. And here's what I know about people that are in this room. Sometimes our situations look completely impossible. They, they, they look like it's never gonna happen. I, my marriage is never gonna get healed. My business is never gonna come back. I don't know how my kids are gonna follow God. I don't know what's gonna happen. It looks completely impossible. And Jehoshaphat, what he does is he goes, first thing he does is he goes to God, help! Sometimes that's what faith sounds like. Help! Help! 
I need some help, God. Here's, here's the response from God. Here's what he says. You won't have to lift a hand. You won't have to lift a hand in this battle, Jehoshaphat. Just stand firm. Judah and Jerusalem and watch God's saving work for you take shape. Don't be afraid. Look at me. Look at me. Ever look at me. Don't be afraid. You don't have to fear. If I've been obedient, generous, I got faith. Don't be afraid. Don't waver. March out boldly tomorrow. Why? Because God is with you. Come on, somebody shout, there's more. One more time. Say, there's more. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord. Have faith in the Lord. Have faith. Have faith. You know what they did? They didn't even pull their swords out. They didn't even pull, draw their, their bows back. They started singing a song. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. I don't know what it sounded like. Probably, probably sounded way better than that. Like Dusty was singing it. You know, just praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Just the, the, they're just singing it over and over and over again. And what looked impossible would look just unsurmountable, would look like never could happen, would look like there's no way it's going to work out. I don't know how I can even think about tithing and being generous, be a kingdom builder. I mean, I don't even know what's going to happen. And praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And here's what happened. The enemy got so confused, they started fighting each other, killed each other, and the battle was over. Amen? Amen. There's more. There's more for you. Stand up on your feet if you can. Just come on. Can you just say it one more time? Say there's more. There's more. You're made for more simple obedience, big generosity white hot faith father we thank you today that you created us in your image god you you've given us the ability just to say yes to you so father i pray for every person god i pray your favor will be poured out on them god i pray for people who are considering maybe they're even just a little bit mad but they're sitting in the middle of the row and they can't leave right now because you know they're just like it would be embarrassing if i walked out in the middle of service <laughs> But God, I pray that you would speak to them. God, that you, they, they would hear the voice within the voice. Whatever hurt they may have or problems they've had with church in the past, maybe even what has happened in our world with misconveyed and misused finances. God, I hope that we would understand that's not our responsibility but we could just be simply obedient. Father, I pray for people in this room that have been obedient and are looking to take the next step. See, God measures generosity by the sacrifice. Doesn't matter, doesn't, doesn't measure it by the amount. He measures it by the sacrifice. And here's what I've learned, Lord. I've, I've learned that whenever I feel it, you feel it too. So Father, I pray for people as they pray over their generous giving, their generosity with their time and their treasure and their talent, God. Father, I pray that during this season, I know that people's faith has been increased. 
because faith grows when, it's, when it has to fight. And so I pray for people's faith. God, I know the greatest act of faith is when they come into a relationship with you. So every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and maybe you're watching online and you've never made a decision, never stepped out in faith and said, I wanna, I wanna follow Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Listen, he's in this room. He's in your room. He's in, he's in your house right now. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's pulling on your heart, tugging on your heart that you would make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. He's in this room right now asking you, are you obedient? Are you right with God? You can be. You can press the reset button. Whether it's the first time or the 101st time, it doesn't matter. God loves you, has never stopped loving you, and he's waiting with open arms and an open heart for you. If you're here and you say, that's me, you're watching and say, that's me, would you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I wanna pray for you. Anybody in this room that says, yes, I wanna get my life, thank you, thank you. I wanna get right with Jesus today. First time, 101st time. If you're online, just put your, just put your information in the chat bar. They wanna pray with you. Church, would you just pray this out loud? If you raised your hand, say this loud enough so you can hear it with your own ears. Let's all do this as a family. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead. I believe that you did it so that I could have a new life. I will worship you. I will serve you. I will be obedient. I will be generous. And I will always have faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted, Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.